Paris Collins John. You're listening to Fulham Focus Podcast. Well, on a day that Abu Kamara left the club to sign for Greek side Aris, it was very much out with the old and in with the new as a Fabio Carvalho masterclass convincingly saw off Millwall at the den as an assist for Mitro and a goal for himself all inside the opening 10 minutes was enough to get the job done. Fortunate late consolation for the home side made for a very nervy finish but we got the job done to secure back-to-back away games in the matter of three days. Will Oakley popped the champagne cork and he's been drunk ever since he turned 18 recently anyway, but I've got seasoned drunk J-Mac with me. Plus, if he makes it out of the ground alive, Morgs will be with us shortly too to discuss the big question of the night. Who is Kenny Tater and has he ever been in the same room as Kenny Titter? My name is Matt Boisbrayer and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Right, J-Mac, just you and I for the second. So uh, we knew that Harry Wilson would be suspended for this game, but Bobby Reid not being available was a surprise. It meant a return to the starting lineup for Niskins Cabano, as well as the predicted first start of the season for even Caballero, fresh from his brace in Yorkshire at the weekend. But a different lineup, same opening goal scorer. This time, Fabio Carvalho did superbly well to supply the main man, Mitro, for a goal inside three minutes. The perfect start in South East London. I mean, I just love this type of football, mate. It's just so good to see again. Uh, just going towards the byline is just something I've missed so much. Carvalho, yeah, I mean, I mean, inside three minutes, I didn't actually, for God's sake, I didn't even look up at one point. I just, it just happened all so quickly. But I mean, Carvalho was just ran the show. Uh, he was absolutely amazing today. That assist and the, the, the flick from Mitrovic into the goal really reminded me of Slavica. It really did. Um, I thought the lineup. Um, to see Cabana one there, I thought was actually quite good. I I, I felt like he, he knows Millwall, he knows this type of game. And, and another player I thought who just was phenomenal today. I, I thought it was a fan, I mean a fantastic game of football. And I just yeah, Carvalho, we need to tie him down, mate, to this contract as soon as possible. But I mean, what a, what a start to the game we had. The problem we've got is that people are starting to notice him now, Carvalho. He's he's only That's just it. coming to the side, but now he's played a, a blinder on Sky. Um, and he hasn't signed that contract yet. He's got man of the match on Sky tonight as well. I, I don't know what, what else we can do to keep hold of him, but another man who did really well, you just mentioned him there, Cabano, I thought was superb tonight as well. Yeah, honestly, I I, I was so... Pro- he he played phenomenally on the right. He just kept, I mean, a bit too honest at times, went down, you know, went down and and, and, and got straight back up, a few tugs on the shirts that he didn't sort of sell as much as he could have done. But I thought he was wonderful, really wonderful going on the right-hand side, but also playing through the middle too. He was everywhere. I, I, I love seeing Cabana like this and because he's just been with us for so long. And I just think in regards to Cavalio and saying, you know, people are noticing him, I think now people are noticing us, mate. I know it's only been three games in, but there is this swagger that we do have, as commentators keep saying. I think that we are starting to look like uh, dare I say, it, I, th- I think we are looking like an automatic team easily at the moment. We've got that sort of Norwich sort of vibe to us. We look like we are not taking any prisoners. And I know we could talk about the end result and how we missed our chances, but uh, but there is just the way we were playing was just very, very formidable. And here he is. I can see the shard in the background on Morg's video. He's made, hey. it to, he's made it back to London Bridge. How was it, mate? Did you have a good night? I'm alive. I'm alive. I survived the lion's den. <laughs> 
Take your stab vest off, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I've got that. I've got the, I've got the shards of pint glass out the side of my head. It's uh, yeah, it's all it's all good. The uh, yeah, it was. It, I tell you what, I mean, it, so the atmosphere was brilliant. Uh, it was it was a great game. Obviously, you guys saw it, and it was just like it just there was so much energy in that performance. I mean, it was, you know, obviously it was a little bit nervy at the ending, but it's sort of like everything up to that, it was so controlled. It was, I was saying to my mate and it's sort of like, it was like one of those five-a-side games when you're playing a team that consists of players far better than you and you can't get the ball off them for the most part. And, you know, some of the football we were playing, it was, you know, I think it was probably the before, but it, it was very Tagana-esque uh, in the way that sort of like we were just, massively in control of it and you know if we can keep that up I mean this it could be a very exciting season uh you know so far so good uh you know you look at someone like Cavallo and it's just like he is he just wants to be on the ball he loves it and you know every sort of you know uh even Cabano as you uh, I think I just heard you say it's it's like a different player you know that's not the Cabano that we've seen over the last few years that is actually a player that is very, very good. And he's just been sort of allowed to play how he wants to uh, in a team who sort of, you know, they have been given a license to play to their strengths. Uh, it's, uh, it's brilliant to watch. I mean, I've, I've, you know, maybe not convinced on the keeper at the moment, but I mean, everything else has, uh, has been brilliant so far. Well, we were just talking about the first goal before you joined. And of course, um, it was Nisman's Cabano who superbly split the defence open for Fabio Carvalho to make it 2-0 all inside like eight minutes. Um, you can say what you like about how much our matchday squad's worth, but the heartbeat of this side at the moment is a player from our youth team. Morgs, what, how, how did you see that second goal? Well, it was down the other end from where we were, but I mean, it was just, it was a brilliant, I think it was you know, just a brilliant counter-attacking goal, really. It was like, it, oh, sorry, I to dodge the people of London Bridge. Um, <laughs> but... You know, it, the way it was so fluid again, and it was like, you know, just watching it. And when he got the sort of when he cut in, and well, sorry, when he sort of came through and he sort of like blasted it in, it was just like it was the sort of finish of a player who's been playing for years, not a player who only made his debut, like you know, four or five months ago. And yeah, you know, as you know, say, you know, he hasn't signed this contract yet, and people will start noticing him, but. This is a very, very exciting player who is incredibly confident and his uh, ability massively belies his, you know, his size. Because you look at him and go, he's too small to be playing in the championship. It almost reminds me of when Patrick Roberts was coming through and Kit Simons wouldn't play him because clearly he was going to get bullied by championship defenders. Uh, but with Cavallo, he's kind of like, he's kind of very much the same build, but he's been given that chance. To really go out there and just say, you know what, doesn't matter that you're playing against championship defenders. These are, you know, go out there and enjoy it. You know, use your skills, use what you your strengths, and sort of everything else will build up. And it's, yeah, he's an incredibly exciting player. And even sort of like, you know, in the first half, he was on it the whole time. We thought, well, he can't really sort of keep this up for the second half as well. But he did for the most part. And that's, uh, you know, that was a, a very, a very good sign. You know, considering this is only his you know, third game in the championships, be able to sort of handle that kind of, you know, Millwall kick the shit out of you style defending. It was. 
Mm. I, I think he's going to be our most successful uh, academy pro. I think he's going to be better, come better than Sessegnon, which is, I know, very, very rich words to be saying. But also, as, as Morgz was alluding to, not not just, you know, how how technically brilliant he is and, and how young, but also how m- mature he is. I remember that uh, assist he gave to, well, the, the assist he gave to Cavalero and Cavalero missed, but he went straight up to Cavalero, who's about, I don't know, about five to eight years older than him and just said, don't worry about him. There, there is just a very special player there. That's all I was just going to add to that. Well, I was going to bring you in on this anyway, J-Mac, actually, and just ask yeah. you about his work rate and his tracking back as well, because it's not just the way that he goes through their defenders like a knife through butter, but, mm. you know, it, it's the fact that he doesn't mind getting stuck in to do the dirty work as well. Yeah, he doesn't mind getting stuck into the do the dirty work. Not so, But he also doesn't mind sort of switching. I mean, he... He, he's like one of these amazing sort of new number 10s that doesn't necessarily stick to the middle. He also can play on the right wing and the left wing. He, he was just all over the place, a bit like Cabana, but but more so. I mean, we've got a really, really special player there. And I, I don't know what the situation is with his contract. Hopefully, um, I think it's just a question of money at the moment. I think he is going to sign it. Um, and it was really nice against Millwall. He had he cups both his ears. Uh, you know, hands to his ears, very similar to Sessegnon when he scored goals at Millwall in that famous season as well. It was lovely to see. Well, Morgs, we were scintillating again at times and it, and it made me think that teams going behind early to Fulham this season have got a tough choice to make. Either they have to accept that they're going to lose the game or they're going to have to go for it, push players forward and risk a huge defeat because when we attack, we go flying forward in numbers en masse and we, we look so dangerous. When we scored our second goal, Millwall really sort of tried to sort of grab uh, the game by the sort of the scruff of the neck, which fair play to them, you know, is no mean feat against the team we put out. Um, but we sort of, you know, held firm. You had Tim Ream again, marshaled the defence brilliantly. Tosin was very good. Robinson had a great game, I thought. And Tete as well, you know, sort of like he was, you know, he was doing his job at right back, but also sort of, you know, going forward well. But it was the... You know, they, they gave it a good go, but we, you know, we held firm and it was only, you know, a 10-minute spell in that first half where they looked dangerous. Um, but, you know, you look at that team, the Fulham team, and had it been Parker, it would have been very much a case of, well, we're 1-0 up, you know, God forbid 2-0 up, um, and we would have just sort of sat back. This one, it wasn't a case of that. It was like, well, we're 2-0 up. Let's get a third goal. And sure, we didn't get it. But I mean, there was the intent. And it was very much a case of the the Millwall team was sort of like going forward. But they were also very wary of the fact that if we got the ball off them, we would hit them on the counter. And so they were having to sort of sit back a bit, even when they were attacking, because they knew that how quick we were on the break. And that's if we can keep that style of football up this season, and if that is how Silver wants to play, this is going to be such an exciting season. Um, you know, there will be blips along the way, but that is the kind of football that we want to see because we don't want this sit-back football when we've scored one or two sort of early goals. We want to make sure that we're sort of like, you're going for it. Uh, it was, you know, there were a couple of blocks on the line, you know, sort of uh, a couple of sort of, you know, wayward finishes and whatnot. But it was the style... Uh, that you know you expect from a team with players of that quality. So it's yeah, it was brilliant. That's, that's... I mean, I, I don't think I've spoken to either of you guys on the phone, or certainly not on the podcast since Huddersfield. Um, but I went up at the weekend, obviously with with a few of the boys, and we did the podcast at the weekend, and just said, "Bloody hell, that was exciting." 
guys, you've got to be excited now. I mean, maybe we spoke after the Middlesbrough game and that was a bit like, oh, I don't really, I don't think we learned much about anything after that because it was one all against the Warnock side. But now we've just won two games back to back away from home and we look bloody good going forward. Yeah, it's very... Wigo said uh, on the on the WhatsApp group chat uh, that his dad hasn't been this excited to watch us since uh, Tigana, which is, I mean that's that that's definitely a serious statement, isn't it? I mean even I mean and obviously this Wigo's dad watched Slavisa football, so if he if he hasn't been this excited since Tigana, it just shows you that we're obviously onto a good thing here. I think j- just the Marco Silva thing. I, I always thought when his press conference first came out he said you know he likes a balance he's not going to go full gun ho like we all anticipated but there is just such a high pressing rigid there is just no uh, there's just no room for anyone to actually want we all can keep wanting to get the, to get get the next goal we're just constantly trying to press them we're constantly our, our fullbacks are much higher up it's the byline thing that I was mentioning earlier I, I hate to bring Scott Parker into this but you do look at the squad that we had today um and the play and without Wilson and, and um you, you you think you know Scott Parker had a majority of these players and 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 it just shows you what an attacking coach can do but also one that has been uh, so experienced and seasoned in, in European leagues when you bring a manager with that experience and pedigree into a league like this. Well, Cav had a great chance just after half an, half an hour as we flew forward on the counter-attack. But, uh, you know, it, it was a proper counter-attack. Millwall were trying to peg us back and get a goal. And all of a sudden, we flew forward. And he just head down, went for it. And he he, he should have scored. But again, J-Mac, it, it was another lightning counter-attack, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, it was. It was so good to see Cav at that, running at pace like that. I haven't seen running at pace and a counter since I think actually in the championship season we were last there, and it was him and AK running together um, of the forty-seven variety. But unfortunately, it, it just he just you know a lot of people suddenly on Twitter and in the WhatsApp who said, "Oh, that's Cav of old. He's back, everyone." But no, I I, I don't agree. I, I think. We are going to see a complete renaissance of Cavallaro and, and the way he's running and the moves he's making and the silkiness that he seems to be providing now reminds me a lot of Wolves. And I think he's in very good company with a coach like Louis Boamorte, uh, assistant coach that there, I mean, and obviously Marco Silva. But yeah, a, a fantastic counter-attacking and um, just a shame he didn't score that goal because that was a very sliding doors moment because... That third goal would have kept got all the scariness away of what happened at the end of the match. Oh, I mean, I I celebrated that goal. Me and uh, me and my mate were just like <laughs> we were all over that, and it's because from where we were, it looked like it had ruffled the net. And I was like, oh, this, we were all over the place. So I was like, ah, shit, we've uh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but it was, it was, it was one of those counter attacks where you know he was driving and Cavallo had sort of made a great run. The pass was pinpoint. It was just, you know, you, you miss those sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a shame they didn't go in, but it was a, it was just a great counter-attacking play. And it's, we need to see more of that because we won't, you know, we were, you know, we can control the game as much as we like, but we also need to counter-attack and that's, you know, they've clearly been working on that as well. And so, you know, whilst the finish wasn't brilliant, it's uh, the way they sort of came about. It was, uh, you know, it's it was a great sort of build up. So, you know, there's a lot of promise there, and it it shows they are, you know, they are willing to sit back a bit and then have to hit teams in the break. We can't control games for 90 minutes for 46 games a season. So that's you know, it's 
good that they've looked at sort of what we're going to be sort of uh, working against. You know, as you said, against Warnock's team, it was a bit different. Um, you know, and against a, a Warnock team, it is always going to be hard. But there are going to be uh, games against other teams where the managers aren't quite as seasoned in the championship, and we can take advantage of that. So, and I think we've uh, that's certainly sort of things to be looking forward to. Yeah, and you say we need to see more of that, and I, I absolutely think we will. And I think a key part of this now, and I can't believe I'm going to say it, is another renaissance of Jean-Michel Serry. And I find myself thinking now that I'm going to be really, really pissed off if he leaves before uh, before the transfer deadline, because I think he was outstanding again tonight, J-Mac, and I, I, I want him to stay, and I want him... I, I feel like he's an underdog now um, at this club, and I want him to... I, I want to see the best of him. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think he was so relaxed on the ball, and and he uh, it was interesting seeing him in this in this very assured sort of DM role. Really, I mean, he didn't really didn't provide. I mean, he provided some wonderful passing and, and stuff, but he was just fantastic. He made some fantastic blocks here and there, and I feel like with a player like him now, I've got a feeling he is going to stay. I think Angrisa is still going to be off, but with with John Michael Seri. I think we we don't need to we don't need to worry about the pursuit of a Matt Grimes or Shalaba anymore. Maybe not. I, I I'm not too sure. But Seri just looks so well. He looks happy here. Actually, I've got to say, he, apparently he looked very happy in the game that you guys went to against um, Huds as yeah. well. So I, I thought he was I thought he was fantastic this game, and I think he looks like there's a a new lease of life within him, in him under this manager. I, I think with him and Harrison Reed next to each other, it'd be really good. But saying that, I thought Josh Otter was fucking brilliant today as well. So I can't, it, it, it's not a, it's a difficult, well, it's not difficult. It's lovely to talk about, but this, this pod is just, everyone played so well. So I can't really fault anyone, but I thought, you know, Josh Otter again with Michael Sarah was fantastic too. Well, um, I said in the, in the intro to the pod about the uh, the commentator's pronunciation of Kenny Tete, that sometimes it was Kenny, Kenny Tater, sometimes it was Kenny Tete. Um, but he also called Jean-Michel Serry, John Serry at one point, which I quite enjoyed. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, you, uh, <laughs> you mentioned Josh Onema there and he didn't emerge for the second half after another good first half. Um, he'd been limping towards the end of the first half. So um, Anguissa came on at half time. Meanwhile, Millwall brought on former Fulham forward Matt Smith right on uh, half-time as well. Um, but right after half-time, we, we should have had a third goal. Mitro brought a save out of the Millwall keeper from a, a really good low cross from Anthony Robinson. But then the rebound wouldn't sit down for Fabio Carvalho from a similar position to the one that Ryan Sessegnon scored from three years ago when we beat Millwall 3-0. I really think Fabio Carvalho should have done better, though. Morgs, do you remember the chance? Yeah, I just got. I, I literally just got back uh, up into the stand uh, as that chance came out, and yeah, it's straight after half time. Players are still a little bit sort of waking up. Uh, yeah, sure, he could have. Uh, he should have done better, but uh, it was desperate defending as well. So you can't you can't account for a sort of a player throwing himself on the line as well. Um, but those are the kind of chances that you do need to be taking. Um, especially in these sort of long seasons, but yeah, what can you say? I mean, it's uh, you know, it he it was on target. He he went for it. You know, it's, they were driving forward straight from kickoff, and that's kind of what you want, really. Uh, on another day, it may have gone in, but you know, it wasn't like it was wayward finishing. It just so happens that uh, Millwall threw a bunch of players behind it, so. 
Mate, on another day, we, we could have scored seven or eight. And J-Mac, and another chance went begging yeah. when um, Anguisa did really well to charge down a, um, I don't know, a clearance from a Millwall player on kind of the left-hand side of their penalty area. And then he teed up a chance for Fabio Carvalho. His shot was blocked. And even Caballero's rebound was also blocked. But it was just one-way traffic all game, right up until the last five or so minutes, wasn't it? It was just almost embarrassing. Yeah, and it's just a shame that we couldn't... I think the best way I could describe it was uh, we were all saying how much fun we were having watching this game. But at the same time, I was getting really pissed off because I, I wanted more go- I mean, this sort of football makes me, you know, drool <laughs> at the mouth. I, you know, I was just getting pissed. I was like, yeah. I want these goals. We, we you know, we... we like you said, we should have scored eight goals this game. Uh, and the fact they weren't going in was annoying because it reminds you that we are actually still Fulham. And if Millwall get one goal in the 18 or something like they did, it's suddenly going to feel quite scary. And it's going to remind ourselves who we are. Well, we, we, we are the best team the world's ever seen. But I mean, of actually where, you know, how we got to this point and, and that we are actually, sometimes we do have a soft underbelly. But yeah, I, I we were all over them. I, I just... In a way, Fred, I'm quite glad in a way that regardless of how amazing we played, I'm actually quite glad we didn't score the eight goals because I think it, it gives us something to keep working on uh, for Marcus Silva to keep seeing. Well, yeah, I know it sounds bad, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that almost that we, we don't look like the perfect picture yet because we, I feel like we've still got a lot more to show, a lot more to show, especially with new signings coming in also with the style of play. Um, so, yeah, in a way... Maybe, maybe it's a blessing in disguise, but yeah, I, I was I was drooling, and I'm I'm loving the feeling of feeling greedy for more goals. I haven't felt like that in ages. Mm. It's great. Yeah, the the last year was absolutely dreadful, and anyone who listens to our show regularly will know, and anyone who watches Fulham regularly will know that it's it's been dire uh, watching Fulham at times in the past year, year and a half, or whatever. Um, or, or, or a couple of years actually, even under Scott Parker, the year we went up, it wasn't particularly pretty at times, was it? But but now it's just like total football scoring more goals. And the fact that you're saying, Oh, well, I'm glad we didn't score eight because it gives us something to work towards later in the season. <laughs> I, I love that kind of that. I love the arrogance and I love the confidence, it's superb. Um, but like you say, um, I put in my notes as well, just a reminder that, that this is still Fulham because we still conceded a goal with five minutes left. Just after Joe Bryan came on for even Caballero, all of a sudden Millwall scored a really fortunate goal through Benicophobi. He was offside when the original cross came in. Uh, Matt Smith's header just rebounded off his face and looped up over Gazaniga. Um, what, what was it like in the ground the last five minutes, Morgs? I assume you're all on your feet, losing your voices. Yeah, I mean, we weren't off our feet the whole uh, whole game, uh, as is the way with the away games. Um, but it was very much a case of, you know, we driving the team forward before that uh, before that goal went in. Because there was always that sense of nervousness. But I think that's just because, as Fulham fans, we've become accustomed to being slightly uh, sort of wary of leading before the game's over. And so when that goal went in, because it was such a fucking lucky goal as well, it was like, oh god, here we go! And uh, you know, there was a certain amount of uh, anxiousness within the crowd. Uh, you know, it was great. I mean, we had three thousand fans there. Uh, it was it was a brilliant atmosphere throughout the whole game. But yeah, obviously, there was that slight sort of like uh, trepidation. It was like, oh god, don't don't throw away this dominance that we've had for the whole game uh, at the last minute and. You know, fair play to the team as well. You know, so they, yes, 
you know, we didn't want to concede that goal. Uh, it was a very lucky goal, and it was more a case of they then managed the game after that really well. And, you know, Millwall obviously does a push, but, you know, we didn't let them sort of really have too much more of a chance. They had, I think they had one, one shot that Gazaniga then held on to perfectly well. Uh, went out for a goal kick. He got booked for time-wasting. Uh, but it was, you know, I think it was more the fact that our instinct was to be nervous because we were sort of, you know, only leading by one goal going to the last sort of couple minutes of stoppage time. But really, I think they had sort of perfect control of the game. Well, I had written in my notes as well that uh, I don't think Gazaniga is going to need to bother washing his kit before Saturday because he just hasn't <laughs> had anything to do. But that being said, he did come and punch a cross just after they scored and punched it really well towards the halfway line. But then a moment later, he came for another cross and got absolutely nowhere near it. I still feel like there's a question mark over Gazaniga, J-Mac. Yeah, I think a lot of people were thinking that the last few minutes of the game. Um, I think some people, our, our old John Shawbury's already said on Twitter, he wants to see Rodak for the next game. I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest. Um, I think Rodak probably actually might leave this window, but I hope I'm wrong. But yeah, Gazaniga, he's still, he, as I think it was Baldo saying, he's been a number two for so long for Tottenham Hotspur and, and for teams prior to that. I, I feel like he just, he needs still a bit more time and I can't, be honest, I, I don't blame him for being a bit rusty of punching, of punching a fucking ball. He just he had nothing to do the whole game. He was probably quite cold, you know. What I mean? yeah. But I, I feel, yeah, I feel like there are maybe some worrying signs there. But I mean, if I were to say three things about this game that I was slightly a bit, I could possibly complain about. Yeah, it's Gazaniga with corners or like crosses rather. It's maybe Robinson being slightly bad clearances in the first half and, and Cabana not being a bit more mischievous enough and diving, <laughs> like being a bit too honest about shirt pulling or whatever. But I mean, no, everyone was perfect this game. I can't, I can't really fault too many things about it. Gazaniga, there is a slight question mark, yeah, but no, I, I think he's still going to be the, between the posts uh, next game. I'm, so, I'm still kind of uh, wondering what it is that got him that uh, number one spot straight off the bat. Um, you know, I think, Ro- you know, had it been Parker in charge, I think Rodak would have got his chance. Um, but I'm kind of wondering, you know, what's happened in training that didn't give, you know, Rodak the sort of the number one shirt from, uh, from the first game, because, you know, mm. we've seen, we've seen him play, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the, the team, the, the backroom staff who were still, who were there, had been there for a while, uh, you know, not maybe not the coaches and stuff, but sort of the people around the club would have seen Rodak play and sort of, uh, he's played for Slovakia uh, not. And it's just like, why? What did Gazaniga do in order to earn that number one shirt, or you know, that starting place from from the first game? Uh, so it's that's quite interesting, I think. And I, it's, he does he does need to do better. I think there's not there's not anything that he's done so far to suggest that he's a better keeper than Rodak. Uh, but you know, mm. we are three games into the season. We've only conceded three goals. Uh, but we haven't kept a clean sheet either. Uh, yeah, he, I don't think he can be blamed for that goal this evening. Um, but there's, you know, that certain element of, uh, <laughs> not so, it sounds a bit harsh to say, why are you there? But I think um, <laughs> Rodak could certainly, certainly be sort of, um, you know, understood if he was, qu- you know, questioning why he wasn't being given that chance. Um, but it may just be a case of he's performing better in training. It may be a case of, you know, he was brought into the club 
because they saw that he was actually a better keeper than Rodak. Uh, but at mm. the same time, you know, I don't think we've actually seen that yet. So you might be right. Rodak might be off before the window's closed. He might have, you know, raised his concern over that. And then maybe Fabry is going to be a backup keeper. Um, but, you know, who knows until the window closes. Uh, don't, don't have a go at Fabry because we all know that Fabry is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it, I think it might be um, might be a bit of just man bun bias. I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe it's just that he looks like it. He just. I mean, he's he's only a tiny bit taller than Rodak is uh, Gazzaniga, and he, I think it might be just a bit of Premier League sexy Argentinian bias going on there. I really, I really don't know. Maybe just he just looks a bit more like a, uh, you know, a bit more slick and a bit more sort of. Prof- that's that's that's, that's I mean. Greece. I mean, a man bun should never be a justification for anything. Yeah. To, you know, I might, yeah. I, if, if I was a manager, I might drop a player because of a man bun, but I don't think it's so. Well, to, to, but yeah. but maybe also, I mean, to try and go a bit serious, and it, it might just be that Rodak is a bit more with the ball at his feet, and then maybe Gazaniga can balance it up a tiny bit more. Maybe Gazaniga has a tiny. A, a bit better distribution on his side rather than just always playing from the back. I, I don't know. I'm just sort of, I'm not a professional coach. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but there might be something, something there that Gazanig is doing that Rodak obviously is just not as good at. You, you stick to talking about sexiness, mate. That's, that's your forte. Yeah. I'm, I'll stick to man buns in future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on. Al- Alfie Mawson came on for Leeskins Cabano in the last minute of the game to deal with the expected aerial onslaught, which, didn't really come, did it? It was just anxiety right towards the end, but they're, they're, it wasn't too bad when you look back at it. Um, it was uncomfortable, but it was another dominant performance from Fulham. So let's come on to man of the match. I can't look any further than Fabio Carvalho. I can, the only fault that I can put at his feet was that he didn't score more goals because he had a few chances. But otherwise, I thought he was completely dominant. What do you reckon, J-Mac? Who's your man of the match? Uh, I, I 100% Carvalho, but I mean, if I was to be all hipster about it, I would definitely give a sort of second, uh, a second best to Cabano just because of, you know, his assist to Carvalho, as you mentioned earlier, and just how he looked just brilliant, just like really, really good. Not just sort of like some yeah. set piece sort of wizard that comes on in the last minutes of some games in the championship two seasons ago, but like he just looked like he could easily start. Um, you know, I wouldn't say obviously he could replace Harry Wilson, but uh, not necessarily just yet. But I mean, I would definitely, I think him and C- Cavalero could definitely interchange quite a lot this season for sure. And for you, Morgs, man of the match. Uh, I mean, first off, I mean, congratulations to Alfie Mawson for not getting injured in his uh, <laughs> 90 seconds on the pitch. I think that was uh, that was that was brilliant. Um, but. <sighs> Watching Cavallo today was an absolute joy. I mean, it was it was such a mature performance. It was a you know a performance of a player that has an incredible amount of confidence without having arrogance. I think there was a you know there was occasionally with players like that they come on and they think the uh, you know the world are, you know they are the best player ever. But there was something about him that uh, just said you know. I know I'm good, but I'm also a team player, and it was it was brilliant to watch. And you you have to give him man of the match. But I agree with J Mac. I mean, watching Cabano today was a very different experience to watching Cabano uh, in the Scott Parker years or even in the Slav years. And you know, whether it's a sort of the fact that he's got a bit more confidence about him, um, you know, whatever Silva said to him or Boa said to him in uh, you know the last couple of months. 
uh, or last few weeks even, is like, you know, it's a very much a case of this is someone who is, uh, you know, I don't know if he's reborn, but I mean, he's certainly uh, a, a much better player than he had been. Uh, but, you know, give as well to Seri. I mean, he was, you know, on the ball, he looked so comfortable. He was going in there with tackles. He was, you know, he was all, he was playing his role absolutely perfectly. And so it's it's very bizarre to see that because you almost feel like he's a player who, you know, is just playing his way to a transfer. But maybe not. Maybe he is actually, you know, Silva's actually sat some of these players down and go, I'm very sorry for how you were treated previously, but this is this is very different. I want to do this with you and I want you to succeed here. We're having one season in the championship, but then we're back in the Premier League. And you need to help us to get here. And I think it's almost a bit like what Norwich did with uh, Buendia, maybe, uh, or you know, a few of their players. And so said, look, this isn't the top league, but this is a chance for you to enjoy your football and to actually come out and actually succeed in this team. And then we will build on to next season. But just sort of forget what's happened previously mm-hmm. under sort of Parker or Yukanovic uh, or whatever, uh, Ranieri and stuff and just come out and just let's play for us play for the fans play for the rest of your team and really have a good go this season and uh, you know it's maybe that's it maybe they're just enjoying their football again Alright mate well we do really quickly need to come on to Saturday's game against Hull City at home but before we do how, how's your walk home going? Uh, where am I? I I'm uh, almost at Waterloo I'm just walking <laughs> past the National Theatre at the moment uh, one of you know, yeah, so yeah, it's lovely. Making making good time. All right, mate. Well, <laughs> Hull City won League One last season, bouncing back to the Championship at the first attempt under Grant McCann. But they've had a very erratic start to the season. Firstly, annihilating Preston North End four one at Deepdale on the opening day of the season, before following that up with a three nil defeat at home to QPR last weekend. They played Derby at home on Wednesday evening before they travelled down to face us on Saturday. Despite their struggles and relegation two seasons ago, we still somehow managed to lose 3-0 at home to Hull in November 2019. J-Mac, how do you see the game going this time? Um, they definitely look a, a, a bit stronger than other times we've faced them. Um, you know, I used to be obsessed with their Jared Bowen guy quite a few seasons yeah. ago and stuff, but they haven't got Jared. But they don't have him anymore. I mean, I'm just looking at where they are at the moment. They're sitting 15th in the form table at the moment. Um, obviously, they've still got a game in hand to play, and I, I think, look, after that, I think, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna win. We're at home. I think it's gonna be absolutely fine. Uh, they play a four-two-three-one. I'm trying to think of a player that stands up potentially their left winger Potter or um, no, I, 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 I actually, Smallwood is a very good player of theirs. He's a defender, uh, sorry, defensive midfielder. But yeah, I, I think we'll win this. I think we're going to have a clean sheet this time, personally. Um, as the sort of season is still early days, I can't really make much judgment about stats and stuff. We we need to sort of start to build as the season goes on a bit more. But looking at their form, looking at who, what we've got, looking at the fact that we're bringing fucking Sambo and Gisa on as a substitute, um, I, I, and, and yeah, it, it just really went to show tonight that it, I'm not worried about Harry Wilson's ban anymore. So I, I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna win this, and I I predict three 0 <laughs> Lovely stuff. That is big words from Jay, mate. That's for sure. Um, Morgs, before we let you go and get your train, uh, our opponents this weekend are the first club that Marco Silva managed in England. 
from January 2017 until he resigned five, five months later, having failed to prevent the Tigers' relegation to the Championship. Do you think the Gaffer's going to make any big changes to the starting lineup for this one? I don't. I don't think he'll change anything that isn't forced. I think mm. if uh, I don't know what sort of um, condition Onoma is in after his kick, uh, but you know if Angisa comes in for him, it's not really a bad substitution, is it? From uh, you know for a Championship team or even a Premier League team, really. So I think uh, given uh, as long as everyone's healthy after this game, I think. Uh, he'll probably keep it the same. I think, um, you know, Hull will sort of put up a good fight. I think, you know, they've just signed Tom Huddleston and, you know, how he does against us. So I think, yeah. uh, you know, there's always, uh, you know, be, be wary of them. But, the you know, if, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think we just say, you know, if, as long as we have a fit and healthy team after tonight, I don't think there's going to be too many changes because I think, that team, if they can carry on playing like that, it's, you know, all the, uh, you know, the tactics in the world aren't going to stop some of those players unless they sort of just go out with the idea of kicking seven shades, seven shades of shit out of them, really. So hopefully, yeah, that won't be the case. And what's your score prediction, mate? I'm, I'm going to go 3 0. No, actually, no, I'll, I'll go 3 1. I bet Huddleston scores for him. Always scores against us. I'm going to go with a. I'm going to go. A... I'm going to go 2-1, actually, for this one. Again, I went 2-1 for tonight. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with another 2-1 on Saturday. Well, that, and, ex- excuse, ex- and excuse the trains over me. We'll get into a okay. tunnel. So. No worries, no worries. J-Mac, yeah, yeah. do you see any changes to the starting lineup really quickly? Uh, potentially, uh, no. No, sorry, I don't. I, I think I think he'll keep it away. Potentially Cavalera for uh, Bobby Reed, but I, I was initially going to say Bobby Reed for uh, Cabana, but there's no way Cabana should up to performance today. No way in hell. Um, no, and, and John Michael Seri should be staying. I'm, I'm still trying to get redemption song by Bob Marley to sort of be his new. Instead, <laughs> I'm going to sing. Rede- I'm going to sing Redemption John instead, and, and hopefully we'll catch on. But no one ever listens to my songs. But yeah, no, no, no. Get, keep it as it is. Keep, keep the winning formula, mate. Honestly, twenty-one, twenty-two. Invincible season. <laughs> big words, big words. All right, lads. Absolutely great stuff. Fantastic win tonight. Morgs, get home safely. Thanks to both of you for joining me, as always. We'll be back on Monday morning to look back at what happened in the whole match. So until then, enjoy the rest of your week. We're undefeated. See you at the cottage on Saturday. Cheers. <laughs>